Hi everyone, welcome to Morning Matcha. Today I'm here with Catherine Durier, who's the founder and CEO of Year and Day, a direct-to-consumer homeware line with modern minimalist tableware design. Hi. Hi, Nikki. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so fun to be here in LA with you all the way from SF. Thank you. Of course. It's, it's a delight. I love coming down to LA. <laughs> so I found out about your company, I, I think, when did you launch? Like a couple years ago or a year we, ago? We actually launched just a little over a year ago. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And I just love it. From the beginning, <laughs> I saw it. I mean, I was targeted properly targeted because I'm definitely someone who should be seeing your ads. Um, I love it so much. I love the aesthetic. I love how simple and modern and minimal it is, but also it was definitely affordable. <laughs> and so I, yeah, that sparked my interest. And then we were introduced and so it's nice to meet you. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Nikki. It's such a delight to meet you too. I'm such a fan of Morning Matcha and it's such a pleasure to be on. Thank you. I'm just so curious just to learn more about you and your background mm -hmm. and like what gets someone started on this career path and like creating this mm -hmm. because home means a lot to me as well. And I'm sure a lot of people and to have beautiful things in our home is important that we connect with and we you know, we connect over meals and we set the table together with our friends and we want to have interesting, meaningful conversations. And it's nice to have that in a environment that we feel reflects who we are. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just want to know, like, before we get into all that, I guess, like, what were you doing before year and day? So directly before year and day, I, I had spent about actually 10 years working in brand marketing and in e-commerce, uh, primarily for luxury brands. I spent uh, almost four years working at Tiffany, um, and I was, I was really working, you know, again, at the intersection of uh, retail and digital for, mm -hmm. you know, luxury brands. And um, I was seeing... Were you at an agency or were you at Tiffany? I was at Tiffany. Okay. So I was, I was working at Tiffany, which was, you know, this iconic 175-year-old great American brand, which um, was just such an incredible place to learn about all of the things that make a great brand like that um, come to life and, and, and endure for so long. Um, and a lot of those things, I think, are are tenants of what consumers want to see in products that they surround themselves with either jewelry that they wear or the products they have in their home. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, beautifully made products that are ethically made, responsibly sourced, um, you know, thoughtfully designed, crafted with care, um, are all principles that were instilled in me there that, um, I brought over to year and day, of course, um, you know, in a different fashion because we're selling in this um, direct consumer e-commerce based business model that allows for us to, um, you know, provide these very high quality products at an affordable price. Um, the other piece I, I, I really, um, you know, learned at Tiffany that, um, you know, has stayed with me is just the power of, of uh, the story around, uh, around products and, uh, you know, to really connect um, and to enhance people's lives. I mean, I think, you know, Tiffany products, jewelry are, are, are products that people, uh, you know, often buy or, or gift to commemorate major milestones mm -hmm. and life moments. And 
Um, I'm just, again, a big believer in the objects we surround ourselves helps to help tell our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was kind of getting to the stage in my life where I was, I was thinking about furnishing my home in a way that was a reflection of my taste and style, um, I was really struggling to find brands that I connected with that I could also afford. So it was easy to go to Instagram and find this just incredible inspiration. And, um, and yet when I was actually going out and shopping, the experience I was having, um, as a consumer was just so disappointing. It was, uh, particularly in tableware, to be honest, there was, it was just very overwhelming. There were loads and loads of options. There was no education about what made one product more expensive than another, or why something was higher, considered to be higher quality or lesser quality. And I think the biggest problem I had was finding something that again, reflected my values, but that also reflected my aesthetic. Um, and, you know, tableware is this interesting category that in terms of like the waking hours that we spend at home, it's probably the thing we interact with the most. Mm-hmm. And it's also the the product that we're most likely to kind of share with, you know, our friends and family when they come over, you know, you offer them, you know, tea or coffee or, you know, for, have them over for a meal yeah. and that's what they see. And so it's kind of like, you know, your calling card and your home for all intents and purposes to your style. And yeah, so it's very intimate for yes, sure. Like I'm, I'm Persian. Mm-hmm. And so definitely each time my family comes over, it's necessary to be like, Hey, do you want tea? Do you, can I bring you some sweets and can I do this? And I have some of your like cute little bowls that you can put just like snacks in mm-hmm. and stuff around for appetizers and stuff. And that's, they're just beautiful and simple and so easy to just like bring out and you don't feel like, Oh my gosh, if this breaks, especially like with a baby, Oh no, I don't (laughs) want to bring it out. It's not too nice. You know, exactly. I mean, I think, and that's exactly what I wanted to, you know, design in, in our, in our core tableware line was something that if you put it on a bear coffee table or a bear dinner table or a bear Island, it just immediately dressed it up It Mm -hmm. elevated the experience. It was beautiful, but it was affordable enough that if you broke affordable enough to break, yeah. if you broke a plate, it was not going to take a big chunk out of your next paycheck to replace. Yeah. Which and, is so nice. you know, we did these four colors. I created these four colors, um, daybreak, fog, moon, and midnight inspired by, you know, kind of my, my evening walks in San Francisco, looking at the sky kind of explode in a different palette every night. And what I love about the palette is that it mixes and matches so cohesively. So you can buy into one color and you can be kind of, you know, very, uh, you know, monochrome in that way. But if you mix and match, you can make it your own in a way that yeah. uh, is really, uh, I think, special and fun and vibrant, but in this very, I, I think the, think of our palette as like modern new neutrals. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's, it feels fresh and contemporary and Um, and we also have this, it it took, you know, nearly eight months to develop our glazes and partnerships with our, uh, with our, our team in Portugal. Uh, I want to learn about all of that (laughs) though. Like, like let's step back a little bit. Sure. Absolutely. So you were at Tiffany and then you started furnishing your home. Yes. Actually there was a step in between there, which is that I moved from New York city back to my hometown of San Francisco. And (laughs) well, you know, I was looking 
I was just looking for a life change. I'd lived in New York for five years. I love living in New York. Yeah. I had this adorable walk-up apartment in the West Village on a tree-lined street. It was Sounds so just yeah. so fun. And so it's like a great way to spend my early 30s. And um, But I think I was, there were a couple of things that were driving me back to San Francisco. I was I'm from there. My family is there. But I was also really excited by all of the great innovation that was happening in business out of San Francisco. A there lot. were, there's so, it's such an inspiring environment right mm -hmm. now because there are so many, um, you know, brilliant people with great ideas across all different spectrums of technology and retail and, you know, artificial intelligence and, and education who have come to San Francisco to, um, you know, attempt to create, create the future. Yeah. It's and so amazing. <laughs> and they even say like, there's something happening on the West coast, like in California <laughs> that inspires and, um, all these businesses to form and they don't know what it is like energy whatever I'm so into all that like a vortex but I, I totally, totally believe it I yeah. totally believe in it too I mean in some ways you know I've I've thought about this for a long long time too because if you think about like the gold rush and the pie you know California has always been a place where pioneers and innovators have been drawn to yeah. to kind of stake their claim in the future I also think that one of the things that inspires me is the Pacific Ocean. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's that vast horizon of possibility and you can't help but feel, I think it's overwhelming kind of power and sense of possibility when you're in California. And yeah, I love that. There's so many elements so mm -hmm. I, I, that, that, you know, I think that contribute to the energy of California being really inspiring for innovators, but unquestionably it's a, it's a, it's a distinct and special place that um, you know, people have tried to recreate elements of everywhere, everywhere. around the world, yeah. like California style <laughs> cuisine, California. Yeah. And <laughs> it's fun. And it's, it's, it's nice to be here. Yeah. You we're know? lucky to be here. So, yeah. Okay. So you moved because mm -hmm. you were just kind of feeling like, I, and this is in between, did you still, were you still working at Tiffany? No, I left okay. my job at Tiffany to move back to California. I started doing, I kind of had built up an expertise at this intersection of brand and digital. So mm -hmm. I started doing some consulting for startup brands and, oh, nice. um, and so I started kind of building, I guess my entrepreneurial path in that yeah. way. And while I was consulting, I had the idea for year and day simply out of kind of my own personal challenge because I wanted to entertain more. I had, um, and this is, did you just move in with your husband? No, I hadn't husband? met oh, my okay. husband yet. We had both been living in New York at the same time and we both went to the same business school, but we met in San Francisco. So I was, I was, um, wanting to entertain more and I had hand-me-down plates in New York city that had broken in my move. Oh. And so I was like, Oh, this is so exciting. Now I get to go out and buy my own set of plates. And plates are kind of a funny thing because a lot of people, I think at points in time, myself included, kind of have seen it as this like, oh, I buy plates when I get married mm -hmm. type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and here I was in my mid thirties, you know, single gal living in San Francisco, ready to buy plates. Yeah. Um, and the shopping experience was not really designed for me. No. Uh, yeah. You're not going to some high-end department store, no. but you also just don't want to go just to anywhere like West Elm or whatever, you know? Yeah. I wanted yeah. something that was special that felt like it was mm -hmm. my style and a brand that I, you know, uh, that celebrated my values. Mm -hmm. And so I did not find that in my shopping experience. Yeah. I was very overwhelmed. I went to Amazon and found 
thousands and thousands of brands. It was like impossible to find anything there that I knew I would love. Um, going to stores was very overwhelming. There was lots and lots of choice. When I finally found a couple of things I liked, they were really, really expensive. And given my experience with broken plates in my move, I just, and I can be kind of klutzy to be yeah, honest. Yeah. I knew that, so. um, I knew that, you know, plates break such yeah. as life. And so I wanted to be able you know, to have something that I could feel comfortable using so that if I broke it, I wouldn't feel like really um, dismayed or, or mm -hmm. overwhelmed by the, the need to buy more. So nothing was really there for me. And I, so I, I really dug it and I've always been a really curious person. So it's like, I'm going to learn more. I'm going to find the best, you know, and, the, and turned out there wasn't anything in the market for me. So I decided that this was what I was going to create. Mm -hmm. And that was a really fun and exciting process because, um, you know, again, this is just, you know, tableware and um, is this kind of like essential in our home. Yeah. Um, and so learning about the history and um, the legacy of craftsmanship and, and how these products have been made and actually, you know, uh, there's a, a, a ceramics museum uh, my, my husband is from Toronto and there's a ceramics museum down the street from his parents. Oh and so actually, I, um, I, I went there and I, I learned all about the legacy and the history of how first porcelain was made and then other types of ceramics and the decoration of the product as well. And I thought a lot about what is this kind of decoration, you know, what does decoration in this category mean in today's environment? Yeah. And to me, that was about glaze. Mm -hmm. It was about glaze and it was about shape. And the shape had to be, it had to be, feel timeless, um, but it also had to feel accessible mm -hmm. um, and contemporary. And so we have this like simple coupe shape in, in our ceramics, which I think just, it sits beautifully on an open shelf. It photographs beautifully. It I creates it nice so shadow. Thank you. But how did you know? I mean, you don't have a background in design. I just I, knew. It was yeah. so funny because I don't have a background in design. Um, but anytime I sit down to design for year and day, if I really give myself the moment, it's been stewing in the back of my mind. And within a day, it's done. Wow. I just know once mm -hmm. I know, I know, and that's it. And there's very little refinement that happens afterward. Now that said, you know, I had designed the color palette. I had been inspired by it and I knew what it had to be. And it took eight months to get that perfection with our, with our partners in Portugal. I did take a glaze making class. I did not. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Which was so fun because glaze making is this fascinating intersection of art and science. Mm -hmm. So it's actually chemistry plus artistry. And to me, like the marriage of art and science is like something you. that just really excites, yeah. and, excites and enlivens yeah. me. Um, and so I, I wanted the semi-matte glaze because, um, you know, we're confronted nowadays with screens all the time. We look at shiny nonstop. Mm -hmm. I thought this is a moment where we're sitting at the table or having our morning matcha where we should be reflecting and having a sense of calm and peace. And we should not be surrounded by shiny things. The semi-matte is going to make this experience more calming. It's going to set an atmosphere that feels... Uh, befitting to a separation from this kind of screen time we have or, yeah. or uh, computer time we have. And so um, I was fixated on that. I was fixated on these four colors, um, Midnight in particular, which is this kind of deep navy blue, um, you know, kind of inspired by the night sky. 
uh, took took a long, long time mm-hmm. to develop and lots of back and forth, but it came out just so perfectly. And I'm in love with our palette. Um, people are like, are you going to add to the palette? And sometimes I flirt with it, but I just, I'm so in love with these colors and they're so perfect together yeah. and they get along so nicely. And there's one for kind of every mood or type of person. We have moon, which is like an off white, which is like a more traditional color. Fog is a light gray. If you're kind of ready to kind of tiptoe out, outside of the plain white plate, mm-hmm. you can, uh, I shouldn't call ours a plain white plate. The moon is really special, but um, <laughs> the fog kind of gives something a little bit more dimensional. And then we have daybreak, which is a soft blush pink and midnight, which, which is this deep navy blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Daybreak is. I, that's the one I just love. <laughs> so, um, okay. But how, so Portugal, though. Portugal. Yeah. So when I decided to learn more about the industry and explore whether, you know, to, you know, to really start you know, building this business, um, I started going to trade shows and then, you know, talking to suppliers from frankly, all over the world to learn about where we could make the products. Yeah. The one, the suppliers that I resonated most with both from a quality craftsmanship, ethical manufacturing supply chain, you know, sourcing, uh, responsible sourcing standpoint, uh, were kind of the European partners and Portugal is this incredible, um, place to make tableware. Um, and you know, their, their legacy of ceramics manufacturing is very much on display. When you travel there, you see these beautifully designed tiles are kind of, um, adorning the the fronts of buildings and whatnot. And it's just this really spectacular legacy of artistry in that Mm -hmm. area. And our, our particular factory and, and, um, I just love, it's really close to the water, the ocean and, uh, it's, uh, you know, there's skylights throughout the factory and it's just this really, um, amazing place. Um, and, uh, I was really, um, impressed with their, um, not only their craftsmanship and commitment to quality, but also, um, things like saving on emissions by only firing once and kind of a commitment to sustainability through recycling their clay waste, et cetera, that really, yeah. You're like, this is it. <laughs> this These is are it. my people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And like, um, and, and they were able to make the product that I had designed in kind of my mind's eye in a way that really did that justice. And, um, and so they've been amazing partners to us since we launched and, um, and, uh, and they make all of your products. They actually just make our ceramics. Okay. So we found specialists in each category. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, we also make our flatware in Portugal. Um, they be- have amazing flatware in Portugal. So that's, they do. Yeah. And in fact, I became really, really <laughs> maniacal about the quality metrics. So you, mm-hmm. um, you know, 1810 stainless steel, uh, our uh, fork tines are hand finished, which actually make them like better for stabbing food and our knives are forged. Um, so they stay sharper for longer and are for better for cutting. So, I, I saw several factories in Portugal and what resonated me with the one that we selected, which is a family owned factory was its commitment to these quality metrics and to making, uh, the products in, in the right way. It's very funny. Actually, uh, the partner I work with over there calls our flatware, the Ferrari. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Where, well, and you, it's really, I mean, you can feel the difference when yeah. you use it and the balance is exquisite. Anyway, I could go on, but <laughs> I mean, I'm sure your experience at Tiffany definitely <laughs> helped with that, right? Absolutely. The quality, the Absolutely. just knowing what to look for, knowing what kind of stainless steel you want. I mean, 
to someone else who's starting this, they would have no idea that there's different types of Absolutely. Seal, you know? Exactly. I yeah. mean, so Tiffany absolutely helped inform that. Um, and it helped inform the way to look at materials yeah. and to think about craftsmanship. That's so awesome. In the process. Yeah. So it was very, uh, I was thrilled to find our partners. It was not easy. You know, I mean, I think, you know, first we had to find them and then I had to convince them that, you know, I was the right partner for them to invest in to, yeah. you know, not financially, but time and product wise, you know, yeah. and that we were going to build a business that was really needed in mm -hmm. the U S and, um, and so that, that was a challenge in and of itself at so, first, but yeah. So, okay. So you left Tiffany, mm -hmm. you're in San Francisco, this is happening. You're yep. consulting, you're getting super serious about it. Yep. Um, did you come up with the name first? Like, yes. Yeah. Um, so very early on, we came up with the name. Um, it was important for me to celebrate, um, time and quality of time with year and day and, and this brand, because again, I think that, you know, how, how we, how we connect around a table and how we connect when we nourish ourselves you know, this is some of our most valuable, powerful time. It's mm -hmm. where we connect with ourselves. It's where we connect with our family. It's where we connect with our friends. You know, when we, when we host, when we have, you know, an everyday meal at home. Um, and it's these rituals and these moments, I think that mark time for us in such powerful ways. And so I wanted the brand to really celebrate that and year and day, you know, is, is an idea of, you know, everyday ritual of also a special occasion. It's also a play on the idea, um, you know, historically, I guess I should say, or traditionally, uh, people used to keep kind of a fancy set of plates and then yeah. they would have an everyday set. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just my belief now that you only need one set. <laughs> and who has the space <laughs> for that? Space? And yeah. Who has the space and who has the time to maintain a fancy set of anything yeah. kind and of then in worry addition. about it too. And worry about it and worry about breaking it and worry about storing it and cleaning it. You know, no fuss there. I just don't, I, I just don't think people have time for that level mm -hmm. of fuss anymore. And so, uh, year and day was also kind of this idea, bringing forth this idea of like that notion is antiquated and you can have one set that's beautiful and it will bridge you from every day to special occasion. You can be proud to set the table, you know, at a special event for the, with this product, but also you should feel comfortable using it for kind of your morning breakfast. And if you break a piece, it's not going to break the bank. And we really, um, yeah. So I, I the name really encapsulates kind mm -hmm. of, I think everything our brand stands for, um, you know, and then of course our products were inspired by, you know, the sky and, um, and the coastline and, and to it me, all goes so well together. It does. It, it really it, does. It kind of came together in a way that was, it was very powerful. Um, did it just like come to you one day or do you, did no, you... I'd say, I mean, it, a team of us noodled on it, you yeah. know, family and friends, you know, it was like, you know, I'd ha I'd thought a lot about the ideas and the principles that were important to me. And mm -hmm. so I wanted a name that really celebrated all of those. And this was the name that came up that did. And it makes so much sense. Yeah. It's it, perfect. It's I can't perfect. imagine any other I name. know, me too. And so that was very early on. I think, uh, yeah, it was very early on. It was the first thing to yeah. do. Yeah. And then it kind of sets the story for everything else mm -hmm. and kind of inspires you to keep going and to learn and a bit more about it. And mm -hmm. 
So, okay. So that's happening. And then <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm, I'm so passionate mm-hmm. about hearing different stories yeah. of entrepreneurs and how they get started in their mm-hmm. different steps, because I think there's, you do so many things at, at the same time. So it's not really a, like a linear thing. Like it's just like a big mess that's organized <laughs> in a way. Yes. But, so I mean, did you raise money? How how was that? What was that like? Yeah. I mean, we raised early on, um, you know, we started raising a little bit of money, Mm -hmm. angel, angel investor money to, um, to have some kind of initial proof of concept, which for us was, you know, um, this product assortment. Um, and then, you know, of course, you know, the, the core tenets of the visual identity of this brand mm-hmm. that, um, you know, kind of bringing that to life in, in a tangible way and then building out our website, yeah. um, which was, you know, our, 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 the way that we sell our products. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I was just so looking at it and it's, <laughs> it's just so clear. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I love our, I love how our website, we had amazing partners in our, in our website. Um, so your initial round, um, or I don't know if yeah. it's your only round or whatever, but that, um, <laughs> It was an ongoing process on this. I would say, you know, the, I was working on the website, the brand, the product line, and then fundraising, you know, at the beginning, it's, it's very gradual because you're learning, you're learning everything, including how to raise money, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is, um, and you hadn't had any experience before. No, I had had no experience before. Um, and it was, you know, I think it's a really, it's difficult, but it's also exciting because I think raising money is an opportunity for you to share your vision of what the future should look like, mm-hmm. um, or could look like, um, alongside what is a tremendous business opportunity for people who believe that you can create that vision of the future. Mm-hmm. And so I was lucky because early on, I connected with some investors who, for whom year and day's vision really resonated. Mm -hmm. And so we raised our first round of institutional financing a couple months after we actually launched and we're selling products and we're live. But prior to that, we did raise, um, from some angels who, um, I think were, were really big believers and are still really big believers and in the potential for what year and day as a brand can do and represent, you know, again, it's a difficult process. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of diligence. It's very rigorous. So I think if you're prepared and you've done a lot of homework, which I did, Mm -hmm. um, it can make it better. Um, and then when you find investors who really believe in you, I mean, I meet with, you know, some of these folks very regularly because they, they believe in the vision and they can become great collaborators or Mm -hmm. supporters or, you know, resources for helping to build the business. And again, I think being very fortunate to be in San Francisco because the ecosystem there for founders and entrepreneurs is, is, is so strong. And so you can be connected with you know, great people and meet them and, that and have are those willing relationships. to share their research, their contacts probably because they really believe in you and they want this and they, they exactly. know that you're genuine in what you're creating. And exactly. Yeah. So as someone who didn't have that experience, did you find 
going into it, I'm sounds like it wasn't, I mean, obviously it's difficult, but just <laughs> asking for help, believing in yourself yeah. enough to, I mean, you really have to put yourself out there. Yeah. I think that you take that step before you go out to raise yeah. money. So I think the first thing I did with year and day was I validated the opportunity with myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, for a new home brand that celebrated these values and had an aesthetic that fit in today's lives in, into today's life. And I, and I looked at that not only from uh, a qualitative standpoint and what I thought the opportunity could feel like, but then I also ran numbers mm-hmm. and built a, built, you know, a spreadsheet of a business model to validate, is this also a good business investment for mm-hmm. an investor? And I became, you know, I did a lot of research and diligence to convince myself because this was now also going to become my job. And yeah. so, you know, I'd invested in my MBA, I'd invested in my career in other ways. So I needed to convince myself that I was going to uh, have a, a, a shot of, you know, building something substantial. And then, so once I had all of that data for me, it became much easier for me to go out to investors and because, sure. yeah. you know, I was, you know, speaking with a lot of conviction and honesty based on an excess, you know, not excessive, but an intensive amount of diligence. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that makes the process, um, you know, easier because there's no doubt it. in your yeah. mind, Yeah, you believe, you see, you know, and then I think it's a matter of getting people, convincing people of what you see and what you've learned and what your path is to get there, both kind of short term, because people will ask you, okay, well, you know, what are you going to do with this investment in the next six months? And then they also want to know what is this going to look like in six years, 10 years? Mm-hmm. And so um, it's this great exercise, again, marriage of art and science, creativity and and um, and kind of practicality that I really enjoy. Um, so I it was hell. <laughs> You're it was just difficult, so, but fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, you just, um, you are the type of person that like you work hard and you care and you also love, I don't, you are the perfect marriage between art and science, oh, like just you. meeting you. And I love that. <laughs> That's and so I sweet think of you to say. You Thanks. found, you've clearly found what is your calling. Mm-hmm. It and does feel I that love, way. Yeah. I love when I meet people that are doing that because it, like you said, the design, all that. It's very intuitive for you. Mm-hmm. Like it really comes to you. And that's why you're like, there's not much that I change after that because I know, and mm-hmm. it's really this, this process that's internal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's external things that you can look up and research and this product is probably better to launch with next, or this is what the market wants. But I believe that it's also that marriage between, um, following your intuition and then using those facts and statistics. Yeah, that is such a nice articulation. And I I haven't actually thought about it exactly that way before. But it, it really is true. It feels, you know, um, you know, as if, you know, I have had a lot of different kind of jobs before this job. But once I began this job, and I convinced myself that this was the right job through me. Now it just it comes very, it's a lot of work. Yeah but a lot of it comes very effortlessly. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's that, that is one of the signals to me that I'm on the right path and that this is really my calling. Um, and, and what a fulfilling, you know, opportunity to get to do that. So I feel also very grateful and very lucky, Mm -hmm. um, to, 
you know, my team, to my investors, to our, all our customers, to people who are in our community, but not yet customers because they give the oxygen to this dream and to this vision. And, um, it is, it is really exciting. So that's and I'm excited to see what you guys are you have in store for all of us because yes. I know that it's just going to go up from here and grow and and how wonderful to share and learn from you. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I think a lot of times people don't touch on the money side of things mm-hmm. either. And I we have a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people listening that are interested in that. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you talking to us about everything. And, of course. And my being pleasure. so open. So. Of course. My pleasure. No, it's such a delight. I um, uh, really enjoy talking about it. And I'm grateful for, for the conversation. I really have enjoyed it. So thank, thank you. you. It was so fun. <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a comment or review, and share with your friends. I'm always reading our comments and love hearing from you, so keep in touch, and I'll see you next time.